This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. morning everybody thank you so very much for joining me rejoining me again on this lovely friday morning my name is lisa mcdonald host of living fearlessly with the contact talk radio network listenership spans to 175 countries 220 tv radio terrestrial satellites and the potential for millions of itunes downloads once again we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest so who is my guest of today well what i can tell you is dr joe newsma is the fearless CEO, chief toxicologist at Superior Toxicology and Wellness, an international scientific consulting firm that he founded. For the past 30 years, Dr. Joe has been active in toxicology research. He has been able to improve water quality and remove carcinogens from treated water. He has assisted private clients to review their medical records and help them to eliminate unnecessary prescription drugs from their profile. As a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for Vitro Biopharma, Joe helped market stem cell-related products for diabetes research to scientific, pharmaceutical, and ultimately medical markets. With the overwhelming options for better health, we are often left confused and with more questions than answers. Dr. Nuzma provides solutions to over medical questions, giving us back the power of our own health. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to a great conversation. Yes, so am I. So listen, I just want to dive right in. Uh, Everybody who's tuned in, which I'm immensely grateful for, knows this is unscripted. It's organic. There's no preconceived questions having gone to you for Q&A. So in light of what's going on around the world and the culture of vaccinations, and it might be out of your domain of expertise, but to the degree that there's an inter- sect or to the degree that you have some knowledge based on what you do in the domain of your specific profession. Can we talk a little bit a little bit about toxicology and vaccinations as it relates to COVID? Sure, we sure can. Uh, just just so everybody knows a little bit more on the background that's not on the bio that you read. Thank you for that. Um, what people should know is that I have 30 years experience in human exposure to pharmaceuticals, to chemicals, and to Uh, biologics, so microbials. And uh, my company, Superior Toxicology and Wellness, the overlying mantra is really to find a better way to solve old problems. So 
throughout my entire career as a toxicologist, I've always looked at the, at the things that have nagged along with, with little to no good solution and took uh, a keen interest in, in how do you make this better? How do we get around this? What are we missing? So mm -hmm. that's really my background for looking at everything the world has to offer. So that's really the, the to close the circle on, on the background and, and uh, who's on the show today. So Fantastic. Well, that's pretty comprehensive. So when we talk about vaccines, I know from my research in vaccination toxicology, my understanding is that there's five different types of preclinical uh, pre toxicology studies in the evaluation of vaccine safety. And my understanding is that it would include single and or repeat doses. Uh, I believe it said reproductive and developmental, uh, mutagenicity, carcinogenicity, and safety pharmacology. So within the realm of all of that, because this is a hot topic item and for obvious reasons. I mean, we're in unprecedented times. Uh, people are vacillating back and forth based on how quickly this was all put out. Uh, how they're trying to get it to market, uh, the anticipated timelines of how many people are projected and on target to get vaccinated. Uh, people are waiting for other people to take the bull by the horns and see what fallout there might be before they themselves uh, Nobody wants to, to be it. first. No, nobody wants to be first. So first of all, what is your stance on the current status of this particular vaccine as it relates to covid you know, any risks, rewards, pros, cons, what you would be reticent of, what you would be all in favor of based on your background and level of expertise, Dr. Joe, sure. if we could open up with that. I certainly, I can, I can certainly do that. One, one thing that I'd like to let all your listeners know is that in the world of science, regardless of the topic, you can find, quote, science to support the topic, and you can find, quote, science to refute the topic. Doesn't matter right. what the topic is. So what you're up against is whomever the expert is that's presenting the opinion is going to present their opinion and then you're gonna ask yourself, is that believable? Is that enough to make me say, okay, I believe this guy and what he's saying or this guy's really full of it and he needs to do a little bit more research or she. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have colleagues in the pharmaceutical industry that work with the companies that have put these vaccines out. And I have had conversations with them and looked at what they've put out in their outlets. And um, the, the, uh, the community of employee safety, occupational toxicology that I come from, the ones that are generally tasked with protecting workers in those environments are confident that the vaccines that are out on the market right now are generally efficacious and safe. What does that mean? That means that they're going to do what they're designed to do and they're not going to kill a lot of people. Now, the thing about that is that pharmaceuticals in general, with vaccines being lumped into that clump, uh, the development timeline is usually 10 to 12 to 15 years. And those tests that you mentioned, they are an ongoing process. In an ideal world, all of those tests are done non-clinically, which means on laboratory animals. And they, all that preclinical work is done before the phase trials. And there's three phase trials. Phase one 
these pharmaceuticals go into a few human beings to make sure you don't kill everybody it goes into. Phase two, it goes into a few more, maybe several thousand human beings to start generating pharmacokinetics and demonstrating efficacy. And then phase three is where you really ramp up how many humans get this pharmaceutical product. And phase three is still only maybe hundreds of thousands of people. So what you need to understand is when you add a pharmaceutical, which is a xenobiotic, which is a fancy science word for saying something that's normally outside the body that has a non-natural existence in the body, xenobiotic, something from the outside. When you add a xenobiotic to a body, there's going to be a reaction. And the more people you do that to, the more people are going to react. So what people need to really keep in mind is what is my own risk profile and do your own little risk management analysis on yourself to make the decision of whether or not getting one of those vaccines is good for you. You can't apply group dynamics in a decision like this. It has to be an individual analysis. What do you do for a living? What are your circles you are running in? Are you taking care of COVID patients? Do you sit in an office by yourself? Do you work from home and see absolutely nobody? All of those different profiles are different risk categories, and it'll be different when it comes time to say, do I need this vaccine? Now, the vaccine, I think there's a absolutely a political component to it because there could be destination resorts that, you know, the Caribbean islands that say, I'm not letting a single person in here that doesn't have documentation of this vaccine. Mm -hmm. Is that legal? I don't know. Not my area of expertise, but that could very well happen. And the fact of the matter is a lot of those chronic studies that you've done, the reproductive studies, they're multi-generational. There hasn't been time for that. The carcinogenesis studies, those take two years to just the in-life phase and another year to plan those studies. So, you know, Operation, what was it, um, Warp Speed, they developed this thing in 10 months. That's animal studies, human trials, and everything else. So do I think that the classic pharmaceutical development model has been followed with this vaccine? No, I don't. Do I think it's still mostly safe? Yes, I do. And do I think that some people could have an idiopathic reaction, which means we don't know why it happened, it just happened, and die? Yes, I do. Okay, well, let me ask you a subjective question then. Again, taking into account your level of expertise and what you just you know, declared as your perception of this. Uh, this, as you said, warp speed. And I think that's the concern that is primarily on the minds of most people. Do I, don't I? Risk versus reward, pros versus cons, all of that. So, you know, if, if I mean, this is really unprecedented, but if we take a look historically at all the other prior pandemics or anything else that pre-existed that might not have impacted our generation per se, and I know that there's always medical advancements and research advancements, and, and we incrementally accelerate the growth of that so that there's more in which to work from. There's more in which to benefit from. But if we look back on all the other things for that given time of disease or generation, where it would be for the people who are impacted by that, who would equally, if, if paralleling that with what our culture of society and, and around the globe is experiencing and being impacted by, why were things not previously accelerated or taken with the same level of urgency 
uh, therefore mass producing or doing what would have been required to have the same output of resources to combat this or to at least get this under control. Because um, I think that is the main issue that people are, are a little bit skeptical or reticent about is, you know, hindsight 2020 is an important thing and we never know until after these things have really been implemented and executed upon, then other additional studies take place to measure, okay, what was the fallout? What did we yeah. not get right? So I agree I with you. And that, I right. mean, that, that's a very long question. And it's, it's, it's all about, was the process honored or were there corners cut that's going to cost lives? Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate reality of the situation is that story is going to come out as the vaccine gets put into more and more humans. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, and if you, most people don't realize this, but somewhere in the middle eighties, vaccines, uh, there was an act that passed that uh, stripped liability from vaccine reactions away from pharmaceutical industries and put it on the, on the government. So anytime there's a, an adverse reaction to a vaccine that's worthy of a payout, you know, you know it's, it's like mm -hmm. the lawyers would get involved in such, that payout comes from the government. There's no liability on behalf of the pharmaceutical companies. So that plays into the development of a tremendous number of vaccines since the late 80s. And are they all necessary? It's, it goes back into the same basket, in my opinion, that the buyer has to beware. Is it necessary for a baby to get 96 shots the day they're born? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. As a toxicologist, the, 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 the mantras are everything in moderation and the dose makes the poison. And there has been some troubling discoveries with vaccines over time with the adjuvants, the extras, the carriers, the, uh, the things that are preservatives and stuff in these vaccines. I'm not completely up on that body of literature, but I am superficially aware of, of some of the arguments for and against these vaccines. And again, it comes down to that risk benefit, uh, that risk analysis for each individual person. And it has to be, what is your daily activities consist of? What is your actual risk of getting this virus? And I'll be the first one to say the virus is real. Mm -hmm. The virus is extremely contagious, but the virus in full numbers is not that lethal. Mm -hmm. So when 99 plus percent of the people that contract this virus survive, the group mentality says, why is it such a big deal? And then when you drill down into that, if you or someone you love gets this virus and there's a serious fight for a life, it becomes all too real. And if somebody dies, that just sucks. There's no way around it. It mm -hmm. is absolutely a worst case scenario. And it's those people that are saying, yeah, it's, a, it's less than a 1% fatality rate, but hey, somebody close to me died. So this is a very important public health matter. Whereas for other people, they're like, what's the big deal? Why are we doing what we're doing to combat this virus when 99. 9% of the people survive or whatever the statistic is. Don't hold my feet to the fire on that. But mm -hmm. the, the other, I mean, the third side of the coin, if you will, 
are the people that have lingering effects because there's a, a there's an emerging group yes. of patients that have suffered COVID infection and have, quote, survived it, but they still have lasting physiologic effects. And they've taken to calling this group of people long haulers. Yes. And it's, it's affecting generally healthy people like professional athletes that they're still bothered with extreme fatigue and, and windedness and shortness of breath and, and they can't get back to their livelihood. And doctors have no idea how long this virus is going to stick around in their body, how long these effects are going to stay and why this is happening. So the virus is real and it's, it's posing challenging questions to the medical community and the medical community has to stay on the forefront of the research in how to treat these folks. And one of the drawbacks of the vaccine that I read over and over and over is that you get vaccinated, but you can still transmit the virus. I don't know if that's true or not because mm -hmm. I haven't taken the time to do the research into that specific uh, teardown of the vaccine. But if the vaccine prevents fatalities, it's got to be a good thing. Right. Okay. So I've got a few competing questions. I'll try to hold them all in my head. So let's start, <laughs> let's, let's, let's start with what you just said in terms of the long haulers. Now, I don't know the updated research to support whether because these individuals would have developed these symptoms and still struggle and are impeded by these symptoms that predate the availability of the vaccine. Is there anything in your research, Dr. Joe, to support that once the vaccine, should they elect to uh, take it, that that might reverse course? Is there enough set out there in the medical community either to support or refute uh, the likelihood or the probability of that? Are you aware of that? I think it's all going to come down to having a basis in oxidative stress. Mm -hmm. So what is oxidative stress? Well, I mean, it's it, oxidative stress is a side effect of being alive. If you go back to thinking about general physiology in the body, the, uh, the powerhouse of the cell is the mitochondria. And as the mitochondria converts nutrients and oxygen into energy to do everything that you need to do to be human, then the side effect of that is these oxygen radicals are kicked out. And these are, are free radicals, which means there's a loose electron. And scientifically, you can think about this as little spears or daggers being shot out from the, the inner cell. And it hits cellular macromolecules and enzymes and DNA and RNA and cellular membranes if cells are unhealthy. If cells are healthy, then their bucket of defenses are filled with antioxidants. You know, that's, uh, that's your vitamin D, that's your carbon 60. If you're into the carbon 60 um, supplements, there's thousands of them on the internet. That's uh, the, the, just the, the antioxidants that help your body uh, control that regular chemical insult of oxidative stress. When you add COVID into the mix, one of the mechanisms that COVID operates through is by creating a cytokine storm. And what that is, is it, it takes your immune system from operating normally and kicks it out of whack just a little bit so that 
the, the immune system goes into overdrive trying to kill the virus and calls in all these cellular mediators, the cytokines, and that cytokine storm results in chronic and massive inflammation. And in the early days of COVID, the cytokine storm is what happened in the lungs, and then the lungs would fill up with fluid, and people would virtually drown because of their immune response trying to kill this virus. And it's all based in oxidative stress. So I think these long haulers have something to do with a, an oxidative stress component that if they can get something to, on board to control that, then they're going to be better off. And especially if they can get something on board to control the viral load, in addition to attacking the oxidative stress, then they're going to be much better off. And in order to do that, I would highly recommend the carbon 60 based uh, supplements, the, the, just that, because that's like the world's best antioxidant. And it's, it's not uh, a one and done. It's, it's a chemical process that rejuvenates. And those carbon 60 molecules are, are regenerated in the body and can go after those oxidative stress all day long and help maintain the cellular defense mechanisms in the cells. And when you have healthy cells, that sets the foundation for healthy humans. So it controls the cytokine storm. It, it could potentially help those long haulers. I think we're going to find out it's all based in oxidative stress. Fantastic. I appreciate that. So let's talk about your personal stance on this. Um, for all your level of expertise, for the people in your profession who you've consulted with, who they've offered assurances uh, to you as your colleague, um, are you planning to sign up to be a receiver of this vaccination? Personally, I am not, but I never get a flu shot either. Okay. So, uh, you know, my, my wife is in the medical profession. She's already had her first dose. And uh, my son is a junior junior hockey player. And I'm sure they're lining up the team when it's their turn to get their vaccinations. But uh, in, in my practice, in my uh, interactions, it, it doesn't make sense for me from a risk profile to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to rely on my immune system and being 99% or better, uh, at able to beat this virus. So if, um, if I don't have to take it, I'm not going to take it. Okay. Fantastic. So I'm glad you brought back risk profile. Cause that was my next question. Um, so if we take into account what would be involved in a risk profile, now let's just say that, uh, a particular individual who may fall in the category of what would be considered essential, like a healthcare worker, somebody in the front lines that's combating this. So they're in, they're in the terrains, they're in the trenches with all of this. But let's say, personally speaking, if evaluating their risk profile, they themselves would be, be of similar mindset to you. You know, I want to allow my immune system to take care of this. You know, looking back on my medical history, I consider myself to be quite healthy. It might be that they have no choice anyway. But if you take it strictly from, um, you know, just a controversial issue where if, if, if it wasn't imposed on them that they had to take it, but taking into account their risk profile supports that they wouldn't necessarily feel it would be in their best interest as well, similar to yourself, Dr. Joe, to take it, you know, what do you do in that situation where your personal risk profile contradicts your line of work? Sometimes that, uh, and more times than not, that decision is made for you. 
And uh, although I don't agree with that, Mm-hmm. If the decision is made for you, then your choice is either toe the line or go do something else. So more times than not, those folks, even though they think they don't need the vaccine, they're going to end up getting the vaccine. So uh, those are your 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 physicians and your nurses and your orderlies and your OR techs and your EMTs and and your ambulance drivers and your uh, the assisted living caregivers and and all of these people, even uh, firefighters and police officers and the people that are coming in contact with their share of the public, those types of positions generally have a mandate from the the person in charge that we're going to get our people vaccinated to provide the best case scenario for moving forward to fight this virus. And uh, those people, they don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. So I don't agree with that, but more times than not, that's what's going to happen. And um, there should be a process where someone can say, you know what, I disagree with that. Here's my reasonings. Here's my waiver and so on and so forth. I accept full risk and responsibility of my choices, but I don't know that that's going to be a, an avenue, a viable pathway to allow autonomy in this decision-making. The, the, the process is, is very much out of the hands of a lot of the medical community. Is that the politically correct way to say it? <laughs> it doesn't matter on my show. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, the, the, there, there's a lot of people with a lot more power than a lot of people that work for a living that are going to tell the people that work for a living what they have to do in order to keep working. Bingo. Bingo. And that br- that brings in the domain of to what degree you want to extrapolate upon this. But, uh, you know, we always know that with anything that's going on in this world, there's always the camp who people refer to as the conspiracy theorists. And and I I'm in that gray area. You know, I, I adopt all perspectives and then I make an informed decision based upon whatever sure. intuitively feels sound to me and whatever is supported. Um, well, so- I'll certainly... I'll certainly bridge my statements about carbon 60. Uh, there, the, the, the carbon 60 product by Live Longer Labs called C60 Complete, it, it adds curcumin and black seed oil to the carbon 60. And in that product, that three-tier product is uh, a, a, the, perfect, the, the perfect companion to protecting and boosting your immune system. And that is the best thing that people can have on board in this time of how do I avoid infectious disease? Because this month it's COVID. What's it going to be next month? You know, is the flu going to come back with a vengeance? What about hepatitis? How about uh, encephalitis, you know, the brain lining virus? Or it, there's always HIV in there. And heaven forbid Ebola breaks out with authority somewhere in the world. There's a lot of infectious diseases that are designed and set up to kill humans. COVID isn't unique. COVID isn't new. The whole class of infectious disease, if you go back through human history, has the wherewithal to cleanse the human population in and of and on its own without help from uh, well-seeking humans that think they know how to take care of people better than, than medical doctors. Wonderful. I appreciate you saying that. So what are your thoughts on these variants and how it pertains to the vaccine that was put out prior to the variants emergence? What are your thoughts about that? That's how uh, the variants, the mutation, 
You know, the yep. when you add a microbe, whether it's a bacteria or a virus, to the human body, and you gotta admit, you gotta remember that every single human body is unique from every other human body. There are similarities, but we're unique. And you add a virus to that unique soup, and you're allowing biochemistry to happen. And the virus is designed to avoid everything that's trying to eliminate it and kill it. And the way it does that is by mutating, changing fast enough, then the host can get after whatever it is it's getting after to try to kill. So these viral mutants, these viral variants are a natural process. That's why there's not a cure for the common cold. There's not a cure for the common cold because it mutates fast enough that it becomes re-pathogenic and can reinfect everybody else again. That's why some people can get multiple common colds a year. The immune system can not keep up with the variants and mutations. It will be big trouble if there's a mutant that remains as contagious as COVID-19 is, but increases the pathogenicity and the fatality of the infection. Because right now, COVID is tolerable. I mean, I think one of the catchphrases is it's a terrible disease that you have to be tested to see if you have. Mm -hmm. And if you know you have it because everybody around you is dropping dead, that's a whole different story. That's more like Black Death or Spanish flu of the, of the 19 teens or before the advancements of modern medicine where we have the wherewithal to treat symptoms and keep people alive long enough for their immune systems to beat the initial pathogen. You know, it's all about advanced therapies. It's like in the COVID, in the first days of COVID, everybody was saying it's a respiratory thing. We're going to need respirators. We don't have enough respirators. Oh my gosh, people are going to die. And as it turns out, the respirators were not that critical in treating a lot of the cases of COVID. In mm-hmm. fact, it actually made some worth, wor- worse. And mm-hmm. that's just the frontline physicians that are looking at the research that are coming out all over the world. It's not just in the United States because they're doing some wonderful things in the other rest of the world. And the United States physicians could learn a lot by looking at what's going on in other parts of the world. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's going to be a matter of if the human immune system can stay ahead of how serious the infection is based on any mutation. And unfortunately, it's like a game of Russian roulette. Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Joe, again, based on your level of expertise based on your intuition, based on working knowledge that the average Joe, pun intended, (laughs) given your name, uh, isn't working with necessarily, you know, and it's all subjective. But if, if we forecast, we project into the future and we kind of get ahead of this or we get it somewhat under control where we can have a reprieve, we can relax, and then we can take into account in evaluating what did we get right, what did we get wrong, what do you think we're on track to realize about where we're at right now and where you project that we're going to come up with some form of personal analysis at this stage in the game? Sure. Uh, I, I think we're very well on track with uh, with developing a vaccine that can be very effective. And I think the, the more that the medical community learns uh, that uh, the first vaccine that came out, I, I don't even know who it is. I think it's Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 
is great because that was the first tool. The second vaccine to come out, I believe, is or the third one is going to be Johnson & Johnson. And I read somewhere that you may be able to do that in one dose and then maybe a booster if necessary. But the fact of the matter that there's different vaccines and different tools available to physicians to treat patients, that's great. I think the other thing that's that's absolutely been phenomenal because of the flu numbers have virtually gone away is the social distancing and washing of hands. I think washing of hands is much more important than wearing of masks. I, I know that the, the, the mask does stop some transmission, but I also know that there's a lot of drawbacks to those masks. You know, the, just the rebreathing the CO2 enriched air, the rebreathing of the bacteria that uh, is growing in warm, moist air. And I read somewhere, and I have not researched into this yet, but I read somewhere that there's a new study that just came out showing that uh, chronic mask wearers are at increased risk of lung cancer. So maybe that's something that needs to be looked into. I'm not in the mask camp. I hate putting them on. I think it's just a, a politically motivated, uh, unnecessary step. But the hand washing and the keeping your hands out of your face and using hand sanitizer after being in common areas goes a long way to decreasing transmission of communicable diseases. I also think that one of the best places and best model situations to track viral spread is go to any college campus and track sexually transmitted diseases. Even with the advice that's known, those diseases and those viruses spread like wildfire in each one of those environments. And if you could get that under control, the same principles can be applied to whether it's COVID or whether it's flu or whether it's swine flu or H1N1 or anything else, because humans overall are disgusting. And if we just <laughs> decrease the amount of disgusting by a little bit, we're right. going to keep infectious disease in check. You're hilarious. <laughs> um, it's, it's the truth. No, it is. It absolutely is. But I just love how you unpack that. <laughs> um, so so what, what's your guesstimation estimation? I mean, I know it's a crystal ball for all of us, but you know, when we look at the economy getting back on track, when we look at people being able to travel freely, you know, getting rid of the ban board, the borders on the ban, or God, the, the <laughs> I know what you mean. The, you know, yeah, the, the ban on the borders and lifting all those restrictions, you know, and I mean, we've and been I, watching with bated breath. Uh, we have a timeshare on Grand Cayman that we are dying to go back to, but uh, Grand Cayman has been a, a slippery slope with when their borders are going to reopen. And Grand Cayman is, is very lucky to have uh, single digit, if any, active cases of COVID on their island, and they don't want it. So um, I predicted way back last year that at the end of summer would be the end of all this nonsense, and uh, that hasn't happened. And I think... The, a, a large component of that is the media hype that's got everybody still yes. scared of COVID. And the fact of the matter is, if anybody that gets a test that is a PCR test, all you got to do is turn up the number of cycles, which runs, you could grow a positive test out of anything. Because they're looking for a fragment of a coronavirus, not necessarily a COVID-19 virus. And if you do enough cycles, you're going to make that a positive test. And the, the originator of that PCR diagnostic test warned against using this as a 
as a as a clinical test to see if somebody has this. They warned against that, and that's exactly what people have been doing. So they're using a scientific test inappropriately to say all these people have positive results. So the positive results are extremely skewed, and and you don't know what to believe because mm-hmm. of all the other death rates. You know, somebody died; they had COVID, but the it was the gunshot wound to the chest which ultimately killed them. But they got written down as a COVID. Yes, because they had COVID and it just it erodes the trust in the scientific community. And most people will get jaded very, very quickly and say, I don't trust anything they're saying. It's all lies. Absolutely. And and thank you so very much for impressing upon those points, because these are things that people don't want to say out loud. But a lot of people are it's thinking true. about it, it. It's true. It is true. Uh, <laughs> but even even going back to what you said about the masks and um you know, I mean, just the controversial divisiveness that's arisen out of the people who, for legitimate reasons, don't wish to wear masks, and all of a sudden they're not compassionate to their fellow human being. Now all of a sudden they're selfish. Now all of a you know, and and people think that wearing a mask is the end all be all in terms of defining whether you're an altruistic person. Like yes. I'm just so sick of all this. And um, you know, I have a couple canned responses that I use when, when I go into places where, uh, I, I am a fairly big guy. I'm six to just under 300 pounds. And I, I, you know, I, I could look intimidating, but my wife says I'm a big teddy bear, but <laughs> When somebody actually does have the nerve to say something to me about not wearing a mask, I immediately come back with, I don't wear a mask because I don't give a crap about you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then if they, if they still want to fight, I'll come back with, if my wearing a mask is killing you, what's taking so long? <laughs> and, and I have nobody go beyond those two phrases. I love your candor. They just, they they tuck their tail and they move along to pick an easier target to go and bully. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Like in terms of the mindset, like why are there so many people not awakened to just critical thinking? I don't care where you stand on what (laughs) side of what issue for anything that might be seemingly controversial in this world, but because it's really playing out on the global stage with the things that are, um, you know, intersected with the whole COVID masks, no masks, vaccine, no vaccine, you know, like critical thinking is difficult. Yeah. But why? Nobody likes to do anything. It's life saving. It is absolutely. Definitely. And it's gone so much to the point I've recently traveled. I I was going to watch my son play in hockey and, and my wife and I were flying Southwest airlines and I name them because I hope it affects their flight. I was dead asleep on this flight, and one of the flight attendants actually poked me, woke me up, and told me that my mask had fallen down over my nose and I needed to pull it back up. Wow. And you said? <laughs> I, I, I looked at her with a scowl and, 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 and pulled it back up. She walked by me, and I pulled it back down and went back to sleep. Wow. Wow. I love I love how in your this is why you're on my show living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald because I mean (laughs) I mean honestly I I I don't like the people who just do what's politically correct for the sake of being crazy it's gotten ridiculous and I think that's what's led to a lot of people's downfalls hardships deaths I, I mean all those kinds of things and I mean again I'm no medical expert but even within the medical community you get people arguing 
different camps of thought, which in yes. itself should make anybody want to think critically and do their research outside of CNN and Fox News. And I mean, one of the most basic things about the immune system, which people have to understand, is uh, a large part of the defense of the immune system is in your skin. It's in the, the, the inner, lower, and outer layers of your skin where all of the recognition molecules for, for things that are coming in outside the body, because a lot of them are as a result of skin contact. And a vaccine puts a needle through all of that protective layer right into beyond the skin and puts that, you know, it's, it's disease, if you will. Mm -hmm. into your body so your body can see it and try to mount a, a resistance to it. But it's just, it, it's counterproductive that you're skipping most of your immune system to try to get your immune system to see what you want it to react to. Can you see the... Yeah, the contradiction. Yes, the, 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 the paradox, conundrum. if you will. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. <laughs> so I know your your guesstimation of thinking things would be back to so-called normal last summer, but based on now being able to more reflectively attribute a lot of this to the hype and the fear-mongering and stuff, based on that being the culture of what's going on, what now would be your new projection? I'm I'm hoping that this is gone within you know 60 to 90 more days of it. It's it's just it, you look at the numbers of countries that are completely open without all of the draconian restrictions, and their infection rates are mirroring some of of what we see in the United States. So uh, if you can just get people to keep washing their hands and stop breathing on each other, you're going to be much better off. And in this virus, this breakout, this pandemic or plandemic, if you want to call it. <laughs> Is going to go away. It, it just depends on whose camp you're in and, and who you're believing. And, and you can always follow the money. Yes. You know, yes. You just you look at the people that have interests in what's getting pushed and it's easy to sort things out. Yeah. Well, let's face it. I mean, sickness is, is a multi-million billion dollar industry. So it is. It, it is. So, I mean, what would be the benefit from an economical standpoint or a private interest standpoint or stockholder perspective necessarily, if we really were committed to wellness and healthiness and, and, and people. You, you mean not having a constant stream of pay, of, of customers going into doctor's offices? Exactly. Doctors are not really, most doctors are not really interested in curing anything. They want to get you on long-term stuff. They want to get you on that cholesterol medicine. They want to get you on that anti-anxiety. They want to get you on that antidepressant. And then watch those pharmaceuticals destroy your body. I mean, that's another area that's dear to me. It's, you know, I have a program. I'm going to, I'm going to take two minutes and talk about this. Please. I have a program called HOPE. Health Optimization Prescription Evaluation. It's mm. available on superiortoxicology.com. You just scroll down, click on the button if you're on five or less drugs or, or six or more drugs and follow the instructions. I can help you generate the questions to bring back to your healthcare provider to basically say, prove I need to be on this drug. Mm -hmm. One of the last people that I did a HOPE evaluation for was on 12 pharmaceutical products and 17 supplements. And I found five areas where there was duplicate coverage. This poor lady did not need to be on hardly any of these drugs. And she's taking all of these drugs. It's costing all of this money. It's decreasing quality of life. And she has no idea because her doctor thinks she needs to be on it. So she's going to take it. Mm -hmm. And the, the, 
nobody, not a single physician in the world has the time to sit down with somebody and say, well, let's look at all the drugs you're on them, why you're on them, how long you've been on them, and let's talk about whether or not you really need to be on those drugs. I do that for people. I give people that personal service and they get a very detailed report that they can bring into their doctor. The doctors probably hate it, but it empowers the people to take back control of their own wellness, if mm -hmm. only in a few baby steps. And I help them all along the way. If they come back with more questions, if they're interested in supplements, if they're interested in the best supplements, and they, they, they send me a question saying, you know, you talked about oxidative stress, but tell me more about that. I'm there for those types of questions because physicians aren't. I'm not a physician. I have a PhD in toxicology. 30 years experience of human exposure to everything what people are worried about, to pharmaceutical products, to chemical products, and to microbials. We live in a soup of toxic exposure. We're not exposed to just one thing. We're exposed to pharmaceutical products. We're exposed to junk in our food. We're exposed to junk in our water. We're exposed to junk in our air. We're exposed to things like radio or electromagnetic radiation. And, and all of these things gang up on our bodies and our bodies have one bucket of cellular defense mechanism that all of these insults draw from and we need to make sure that we keep that bucket filled and how do you do that you drink good water you make sure you're hydrated you get enough rest nobody believes the importance of rest but you need good rest you need to eat the right things you need to eat raw you need to eat whole and you need to eat about you know half what you normally eat and you need to limit the poisons the alcohols and, and the stuff the fun stuff in life don't cut them out mm -hmm. just limit them mm -hmm. and all of these different little steps can build up over time and then the vaccine goes right into that do i need it should i take it you know you gotta you gotta look it's all individual a blanket answer doesn't work for anybody mm -hmm. you gotta look at your own situation and if you don't know how to do that analysis find somebody who can help you with it brilliant That's most important step in the whole process find brilliant. somebody you trust it could be your doctor it could be your pharmacist it could be Anybody in your family, your friend, your next door neighbor, doesn't matter. If you trust their opinion and they really have the credentials to back it up, not necessarily a, a PhD or something, but have done the research to know and they can convince you beyond a shadow of your doubt that that's the right path for you, then that's going to be the right path for you. Mm -hmm. Well, at the risk of sell, uh, sounding melodramatic, Dr. Joe, um, have you ever been on the receiving end of some kind of threat not yet <laughs> okay okay and, but, and i'm not i'm not trying to make you paranoid and obviously you know how to fend for yourself you do it on planes and you do it out in the public even when it comes yeah. down to just the mask question but um i i'm just wondering because you're you know you're very out there and uh but you're out there in a way that really is for the people and it really is about bringing it back to individualistic individualized because you can't yeah. just you can't lump some people and it's not a one-stop shop and yet that's the society that we live in it's like you know the one cure one-stop shop uh and then the humanity of each person kind of gets thrown out of the equation so if free thinking be damned we want we want people in a mass and we want people in line right yeah and uh in the fetal position sucking your thumb <laughs> <laughs>
So, exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's easier to control. Absolutely. So being cognizant of time, I would like to also give you the opportunity for the podcast uh, subscribers and the global listeners. Where can you be reached and what would people, um, if you could just reiterate what your specialty is, what, you're, what you sure. would be willing to do in a consult? Sure. Uh, I can be reached at superiortoxicology.com. So that's the website. There's a contact form on there, and you can you can click on the contact form, send me any questions you have. Um, you can also find the HOPE program there, and uh, the HOPE program is uh, the, designed to help people eliminate or reduce unnecessary or overused pharmaceutical products. And you'll also find information on the C60 Complete by Live Longer Labs, and I do think that's the fountain of youth the, with the three-combination product that uh, can help boost your immune system and help fight against the, the toxic exposure that's very in today's society. And if you can't remember any of that, just Google Dr. Joe for hope and you will find me. Beautiful. And so what is your definition? How would you characterize living fearlessly? What does that mean to you? Living fearlessly to me means you go about your day doing what you want to do as long as it doesn't impinge on the rights of anyone else. And you can enjoy each day to its utmost potential with your interactions of whoever comes along. You don't have to be afraid of what's going to drag you down because sometimes you can control it. Most of the time you can't, but if you're living fearlessly, you're going to forge forward and deal with whatever life throws at you. Fantastic. And so as a result of uh, the pandemic, has business skyrocketed for you? Is it the same? Is it plateaued? Where do you stand on that? Uh, a lot of the pharmaceutical work in the uh, in the toxicology practice has slowed tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The work talking to individual people about drug products has picked up, and a lot of the work that I do in the water arena, which we really didn't touch on, that could be a different show if you like. Well, you're, yeah, I want you back. You're you're <laughs> awesome. You're that's, coming back. Uh, that's picked up tremendously. Okay. So, it's it's kind of a it, it's a it's a roller coaster. There's some ups, there's some downs, but uh, once in a while you got the wind in your face, and once in a while you're like, "What the hell are we doing?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty much the life of an entrepreneur, right? Ebb and flow. You know? And yeah, you know they ought to call it entrepreneur because it's mostly shitty every day. <laughs> no, I won't argue with that on, <laughs> with you on that one. Um, and so, what, just very quickly, Dr. Joe, what was the inception of your journey? What was it that catapulted you into the trajectory of getting into this? I was, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry for Novartis Generics, one of the major pharmaceutical companies. I was there about six years. It only took me that long, six years, to realize that Dr. Joe's mouth is not compatible with corporate America. Because mm-hmm. when corporate America asks for your opinion, they really don't want it. And when someone asked me for my opinion, I happily provide it. And uh, I got out of corporate America after about six years. I've been running my own shop for the for the better part of the last 20. So uh, that part of you ask me what I think, I'm going to tell you. And the part of how do we solve old problems with new solutions has really launched me and kept me going with what I'm trying to do. Love that. 
love that. Well, and one could arguably say, too, that a lot of the problems that we think that we're inundated with or afflicted by, a lot of it's self-imposed, and it's because people don't do the homework, they don't do the research, and they don't ask the right questions. The problem is with the six inches between people's ears. <laughs> or six inches somewhere else, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> that could be a different show. Right, <laughs> right. Ego is a funny thing. But, yeah, it um, does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dr. Joe, is there any question that, I mean, we could go on and we're, you know, you're going to come back on the show and we can take that particular show in whatever direction you wish to. But for what we spoke about today, is there anything that you wish that I had asked you that would have been of benefit to the listening audience that I did not? Well, there, there's simple steps that people can take to take control of their own wellness. And uh, a lot of my wellness advice that you'll find on my website, the, the wellness page is almost ready to roll out, is geared towards the people that have neglected themselves for 20 or 30 years. They wake up, they look in the mirror, and they go, oh, my God, where'd this fat guy come from? <laughs> and it, it, it takes that mentality right there and says, what can I do today to start taking baby steps back to being in control of my own wellness? Because that's where I am. I'm 52 mm -hmm. years old. I, wo I woke up one day, I was 310 pounds. I'm not that anymore. But it's still, it's shocking when you wake up and you look in the mirror and it's you that has the issues. It's like, oh my God, how did I get here? And mm -hmm. you look back over, and it's like, well, I've been taking care of kids for 20 years, haven't been taking care of myself at all. I've been trying to make a living, trying to provide for family. So you're trying to please the man or the woman or whoever's in charge, and, and you are last. Mm -hmm. And the wellness advice that comes through superior toxicology wellness is how do we pull you up out of last place and make you something other than last and take the steps back to better personal wellness. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I'm going to give you one last opportunity, Dr. Joe, where can people reach out to you? How can people find you? People can find me at superiortoxicology.com. Hit the contact sheet, hit the hope buttons, click on the link to find out about C60 complete and the best supplement on the market, but superiortoxicology.com and I can get your questions answered. Brilliant. Well, I want to thank you so much for the gift of your time, the wealth of your knowledge, your candor, your humor, uh, being able to play devil's advocate. Uh, I just, you're a phenomenal guest and we're definitely going to have you back on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. So thank you once again, Dr. Joe. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you as well for the gift of your time for tuning in to myself and my guest of today, Dr. Joe. Uh, again, all his information has been cited and it, you, you can find it in the uploads. Um, I want to impress upon you knowing very clearly what my purpose is. I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Please stay uplifted, but also please stay educated. Until next week when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I wish you all my best. Love and gratitude, love and light. Take care and all my best, Dr. Joe. Thank you again. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless 
and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.